0: I wanted to thank you so much for supporting James Miller Lifeology Radio. It has been an amazing adventure for me. I am so humbled and so blessed that so many of you have been listening to my show. I would love for you to go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, and sign up for my newsletter. There are so many amazing things that are happening over here that I would love to share with you. So definitely sign up for the newsletter today. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to remind you ways in which to teach valuable lessons to children. I'll also be interviewing author Jim Dillard, who reviews his wonderful children's series, Ian and the Silver Dragon. These are adventurous stories which will help teach your children wonderful life lessons. <laughs> Teaching valuable lessons to children. When we reflect on our childhood, we often have many different types of memories. Some we can remember with fondness, while others were very painful for us. And when we think back on those memories, we realize that a lot of those lessons trained us to be the person we are today. We may not have realized how valuable those lessons were at the time, but as we got older, we realized that there are so many things that our childhood taught us. Sometimes the lessons were ways in which to thrive and to flourish and be the most successful person we can be, while other memories taught us ways in which we do not want our life to go. In my academia years, I taught many students how to become a therapist. And one of the things I really enjoyed teaching was about narrative therapy. Narrative therapy is a wonderful tool and technique that any of us can really use. But what narrative therapy really is, is it simply tells a story. We've all known many of those folklore stories or many of those fables that we heard as a child, which always had a moral of some sort. That's essentially the same thing. You tell a story to a child or even to a person who the character in that story is going through something very similar to what the child or the other person is experiencing themselves. And when you tell the story, it helps the other person hear it in a way which resonates with them because they think, oh, I'm going through that myself. And so when you tell these beautiful stories, it helps the person internalize what's happening as it relates to their own life. Because if I were to say, you are doing this and you need to change your life this way and you need to do that, you're not gonna hear me because all you're going to hear are the accusations and maybe the judgment I'm passing on you and you're not going to hear it at all. So that's one of the beautiful things about a form of narrative therapy. And once again, I'm only giving you the background of what narrative therapy is in the sense of how it makes sense in a psychological world. But simply telling stories to your children, telling stories in a way that helps them really grasp how they interact with the world, helps them really understand the type of person they can become. And in doing that, that's how they learn. I know sometimes when I'm doing therapy with a child, I may only get a few minutes of actual work that's done because they don't hear anything else I say because I want to play. So I'd really recommend that you use this simple technique of always telling stories. Stories will always help the child understand the world around them in a beautiful, wonderful way which helps them grow and develop. So now some of you who have been listening to me for quite a while now understand why I usually tell a story before I start my lesson. The power of your words and story form will always influence the people around you. Did you know that I have a YouTube channel? I have over 152 episodes that I've done specifically for you. I know some people struggle with listening to a half hour show, but these Lifeology lessons are about three minutes long and they'll teach you one lesson that you can learn each day to simplify and transform your spirit, mind and body. Go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and you can subscribe to that YouTube channel there or simply go to youtube.com and search for my name, James Miller Lifeology. My guest today is Jim Dillard. He is the author of the children's book series, Ian and the Great Silver Dragon. He is going to share how these books can help teach children valuable life lessons as well as generate many healthy discussions with their parents. Welcome to my show, Jim. James, thanks for having me. You have a wonderful first name, so I know we're going to get off very well today.
1: (laughs) Uh, It works really good. We're on the
0: same page. (laughs) Definitely. Now, it's so interesting because when I originally heard about you and kind of read some of your background, It has nothing to do with being an author for children's books. Give us a little bit of backstory of where you used to be in your life and where you are today.
1: Well, I have spent the majority of my working career in the Ohio oil and gas business here, uh, running, drilling, and producing crude oil and natural gas. In fact, I'm still in it, even though the business is changing uh, radically Mm -hmm. It's still my main point of income is from oil and gas production.
0: Oh, interesting. And now it actually makes sense because, and we'll get to the books in just a minute, but about a lot of the ways in which the world has evolved and how the environment has changed. It now makes sense how you use, uh, obviously, your background in that field and how you've kind of inserted some of that in the lessons that that the kids can learn. So now it really does make sense.
1: Yeah, I've I've become the dinosaur or the dragon that I talk about
0: because, <laughs> because of technology that has innovated the world. Oh, that's really fun. I shouldn't even think of that, but that does make sense. That is funny. So now, when did you realize you wanted to be a children's book author?
1: Well, that's a little bit of a, of a story within a story. Uh-huh. Uh, my children were avid readers. Their mother is a uh, Montessori teacher. Oh, okay. And she was a stay-at-home mom, and she wanted the kids both to learn to read early on. And my oldest son's name is Brian, spelled with a Y, and my youngest is Ian, spelled with an I. And they are the characters in the book. But uh, Ian uh, had a eye for oddities in books, and she found in the library uh, the dragonology sections of children's books. So she started bringing home those books for him to read and had purchased them at bookstores and book fairs. So we have our own literary collection of dragon information.
0: Oh, that's neat. That is very neat. Now, it's, it's really, now. it just even says your, your son's names. And I really feel like now this, these books even make more sense to me as someone who's read it, because now I understand the interactions between the two brothers. And so it, now this is making a lot of sense. So it, it's that's what most people do is they write based off of what they know. And so you obviously have a lot of data here for, for wonderful books. That's great. Uh, it,
1: I do. As I say, I, I use the family greatly to enhance the uh, experience and I keep telling them I'm going to make a few dollars off of them somehow. <laughs> maybe the
0: <laughs> That's great. So now what specifically inspires you when you write? I mean, we now, I know as far as your boys and, and, and your family, but what specifically inspires you as you write your books?
1: I have spent oh probably the last 30-plus years studying metaphysical things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I learned a very, very long time ago uh, about responsibility and victim and whether to be a victim or not to be. Yes. And through that uh, recognition of that those ideas, I've been involved in several different organizations. And one of the organizations I presently belong to is totally geared in the self-help Industry mm-hmm. and they are uh, master teachers of success principles. And one of the things you learn through my participation in the organization is that everyone is a teacher. And whether you believe it or not, you are going to teach someone just by who you are and what you are mm-hmm. and what you do. And I wanted to take and use what I had been learning and pass it on in a way that children could assimilate at a much younger age and hopefully grab onto and realize that uh, they have a tremendous amount of power that they don't know they have.
0: Exactly. And that's one of the great things about lifeology itself is just like what you were saying, as far as we all have a, we all teach somebody something. Well, it's the same thing with lifeology. We all have a lesson. We all have something in our life that whether it's in the moment or we can look back and read about something, but every moment we have an opportunity to look at someone to see what's going on in their life, if, we, if that's something we feel is healthy for us, we learn that lesson or we ask them. And so the, the way, the, as you know, the way the world works is we all are so integrated to such a degree that we're always teaching somebody something. It's just, are we stopping and slowing down and seeing that a lesson is being taught?
1: Yeah, we're, we're learning our connectivity to everybody and everything. Mm-hmm. And we're evolving as a consciousness to the point that we don't function as an individual on the spiritual level. We do so in a physical form because that's mm-hmm. the form we've chosen to be in. Sure. But on the grander scale of things, it's much more of a joint effort.
0: Yes. And I completely agree with you. With those interpersonal relationships that we have, that's usually the way that we, we learn. But I think you're absolutely right. There's, there's so many other ways in which we are connected in a way that many of us just don't realize.
1: Well, uh, Greg Braden, who I had a chance to listen to at a seminar and then picked up his Turning Point book, uh, goes into great detail of the the unification and the and the ch- lines of energy uh, collaborating together and focaling into different points of view mm-hmm. and how we are all in a collaborative environment anymore.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense there. So let's talk more about the books because I think these are wonderful books. Uh, you, you've done an amazing job of of teaching so many lessons. One of the things I really like about, or one of the many things I like about this is there are so many lessons jam-packed in this series, you know, from the simple thing of just respecting your brother or, you know, the bigger thing of how how to interact with the world around you. I mean, there's so many small little tidbits lessons that are, it's that any child who reads this, they're going to have so many takeaways, whether they realize it or not. So I, that's one thing I really like about these books is is how much learning that is going to come along with it when the child reads it.
1: Well, that's hopefully the, the goal, at least my intention, is to uh, instill in the reader a curiosity to learn more and also give them the methodology so that they can use their learning in a, the most productive way to get to where they want to go as fast as they can get there.
0: Yeah. So let's tell us, why don't you tell my listeners what's the synopsis of this, of this series?
1: Well, I'm going to attempt to uh, take Ian. I don't know if it's through a major part of his life, but a good part of his life mm-hmm. and take him on basically what would be called the apprenticeship journey where Bry. His dragon mentor has taken him on as an apprentice and is going to teach Ian as much as Ian can absorb or learn how to absorb. Mm-hmm. And it is a process where Ian becomes as, as an enlightened person as he can be, because as he becomes enlightened, the people around him become enlightened, and it's it's a growing process.
0: Yeah, and yeah, that that makes perfect sense because just like in real life, if you will we all, when we, just like we said earlier, we all have a lesson to learn. And so when we, when we assimilate these lessons, when we're aware of it, we will grow, whether it's a proactive version of personal development or life just teaches us something. So it's good to hear that, you know, through the lessons that your readers are going to learn themselves, it gives them so much information up front to really internalize and say, well, how does this make sense for me? And they may not realize it right then, but they will later on in their life.
1: Well, so much of the stuff that I'm going to be presenting isn't New. It's it's old data. It's been around for a very long time. When uh Rhonda Byrne did The Secret and she talks about three thousand year old uh information that she came across. And she's right, some of this goes back farther than that. Yeah. And it's it's not I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm just telling it in a way that children and even the parents who are reading it to their children can make sense of in today's world.
0: Yeah, exactly. You're right. There's really nothing new under the sun at all.
1: No, you kind of learn as a writer that there isn't a whole lot
0: that hasn't already been talked about.
1: You just kind of put your own little bit of... uh of uh reflection on it
0: yeah exactly so the synopsis the way i way i learned this right when i read it i heard it as um ian is a young little boy who has a very vivid imagination he loves dragons and he dreams about the dragons and then he starts to understand just the whole world of what a dragon is uh, the different types of dragons and then with that that's when he meets uh, the great silver dragon Brianc, who then teaches him so many things and then the second book then goes into a more of a journey an adventure and so I think, I think it's going to be great. And it makes sense to me that you would have Ian grow up and go through many different things because each book can be a standalone, larger lesson or individual lesson in this great series.
1: I hope to, when it's said and done, to have in the neighborhood of eight or nine books. The, the third book in the series is in my head at the moment. Hmm. I haven't got it started. I know where they're going. I know the title. I know there'll be another character added to it. Because dragons have friends too, mm-hmm. so uh, we keep adding uh, acquaintances of Bri that are his teachers and his mentors, and that uh, one thing you find out as you climb the world of mastery that every mentor will have a mentor, mm-hmm. and that you never ever get to the point of knowing all of it. You're always going to have a little bit more that you can know.
0: Yes, that's yes, is very, very true. You know, one of the things we were discussing um, on the pre-call was just simply one of the things I really love about this these series as well is because there's so much information, a lot of the the readers are. I'm going to have some questions for their family or for their parents. And I'd really encourage the parents when when they buy these books for the kids to, to be really interactive with the reader because there are so many, like I said, so many lessons and so much history and so many things that they're exposed to in a, and obviously in a healthy way, but learning how to kind of help the child navigate what the lessons are, help them really learn and assimilate that into their life. So I really want to recommend to my listeners who'd buy this for their, for their children to really spend that time with them, to talk with them about a lot of these talking points that are in this book because it creates a wonderful didactic or wonderful interaction between parent and child.
1: Yeah, it, it hope it does and it should. But uh, parents, I think they will find that they don't know a lot of these principles either that they can use in their own lives. Mm. I mean, I know that I didn't until I get into some of the stuff. I knew about different things. I knew the theory behind a lot of stuff, but not the nuts and bolts of how things really work. And through some of my organizations, I've learned the nuts and bolts. So the books are giving the people and the readers the actual tools that they need to take the theorized success principles and really make them work.
0: And actualize them into, into everyday life.
1: Yes, there are there is a recipe. And I talk about the recipes mm-hmm. and, and they work 100% of the time when they're correctly followed.
0: Yes, well, that's great. I, I didn't think of it that way as far as the the parents also learning, but of course <laughs> that goes back to what you said before. We are always learning.
1: <laughs> well, the the biggest thing I want to take in from our discussion right now is mm-hmm. to get across to listeners that you have a choice in life to decide whether you want to be a victim or not. And if you choose not to be, you become at cause in your life. If you decide to be the victim, then you're always going to be uh, at effect. And something's always going to be done to you mm-hmm. instead of you doing something to everything else.
0: Yes. It's interesting. I have did quite a few interviews today, and that seems to be the theme of a lot of, a lot of the, um, my guests for, for today, rather. So it's good to hear, once again, that I have another guest who really emphasizes the fact that what happens to us is something, of course, we don't like, we're not, we don't agree with it, but when we move beyond the stage of grief of whatever that trauma was, then that's the choice that says, well, what do I do now? It's over and done with. I've grieved. Now, if I keep that mentality of a victimhood in my mind, well, then I've really never let go of something that I was, never should have had in the first place. And so it's when someone allows themselves to be stuck in that past or in that victimhood mentality, there's a part of them that's always going to be stunted. You can't fully grow. And you know, think of a rubber band. You, know, you can stretch and stretch and stretch, but if there's still a part of you that's stuck somewhere, well, you can't fully grow into that amazing, wonderful person that you're supposed to be
1: one of the hardest things for people to accept is responsibility for what they do. Mm-hmm. And if you get into the law of attraction, did you study it and analyze it and really accept it? You have to come to the conclusion that you are responsible and that things are not done to you. They're done around you Yes. and, and you are in control. And that's the biggest difference because people, when they they want to believe that what they see in front of them isn't of their making if they don't like it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's really true in the sense of we, we all are self-made, you know, everything we do from how we interact with people to, to what we think about, because what a man thinks about, so he becomes. So whatever I think about myself, I'm going to draw that to me. In other words, some people can say it's more of an energy level. Some people can just be, well, I'm simply going to. If, I, if I'm a gossiper all the time and on a very practical level, well, then I'm going to be drawn to people who are gossipers or other gossipers are going to be drawn to me. So what it really is is whatever you believe to be true about yourself and what you, what you believe that is right for you, that is what you're going to to be and so with that you then become what you believe (laughs) and so that's a, a lot of the ways that the law of attraction in a very 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 fundamental way really works is whatever you intrinsically believe to be true whether you're conscious of it or unconscious of it determines where you go next in life
1: oh absolutely you're you are an incredibly powerful thoughtful spiritual being and the manifestation that's available to you is phenomenal in scope and in, in uh, size when you really get into it and ex- accept the possibilities.
0: Yes. And I think that's one of the most difficulties that many people have is just we get caught up in the minutia of life. In other words, the, the, the monotony of life and that we forget that we're just existing when we could be thriving in a way that we never even imagined, but we just get so caught up in what we do every single day and pretty soon oh, that man. just becomes routine.
1: Oh yeah, James Arthur Ray uh, talks about you. Everybody wants to be at the top, to be at the pinnacle of everything, but you can only be at the pinnacle for a short period of time, and then you're going to fall off and go back down into the bottom. Yes, and the power becomes available and becomes prominent when you decide to climb back from the bottom again and head back to the pinnacle. That's the,
0: that's the cycle. The way I always look at it is I'm going on a journey uh, and I think I always think of a landscape and so the the imagery that always comes to mind when I think of my future is I see all these mountains so I have to climb up a mountain and that 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 determines my success and that's when everything is going well. But then in order to get to that following mountain and continue to go on the journey I'm going on, I have to go down through a valley. And, but the valley doesn't necessarily mean it destroys me. It just simply means there's a time when I'm not at the top. And so we can measure that or quantify that in any way we want, but it just simply is life. We're at the top and then we're at the bottom, but we get to choose how fast we go up to that top we get to choose how fast we go down. And so the whole point is it goes back to the imagery we create for ourselves. you know, specifically for me, that's how I do it. But that's the reality of life. You can't, just like you said, you can't always be on the mountaintop. To get to the next mountaintop, you have to go through a valley.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I want to try and convey in my books. I want to try and convey that this is the journey part of it, the the feeling part, the emotional part, the the tools, but also this is work. It's not just doesn't fall out of the sky and suddenly you're gifted with it. I mean, it just takes effort.
0: Yeah. And, and I think, like I said, I, you, the, the, what you pose in these books, you know, Ian has a lot of questions. And so the, the, the dragon then, you know, obviously helps him, um, gives him those definitions and he uses big words, but he helps, but then Ian's like, what does that mean? And so you create the concepts, but you have the practical application and understanding for children.
1: Yeah. Cause I, I still have to be mindful of, the audience, which is the middle grade reader mm-hmm. and uh, to keep that in a vernacular and a vocabulary that they can grab a hold of so I don't lose them. Sure. That's why they're, they're chapter books because as a writer, I seem to be able to only focus for about 45 minutes at a time. And uh, <laughs> so the books, the books are kind of follow that same scenario where, where I can keep their attention span for as long as mine.
0: <laughs> That's funny. That's really good. Now, these books have had a lot of success, right? Haven't they won awards? Yes,
1: I've, uh, the last three years at the com. I've been entered in their 50 Writers You Should Know contest, and I've been fortunate enough to be in their, uh, format one of the 50 writers that they say you should be reading for the last three years.
0: That is amazing, Jim. That's, that's, that's really wonderful. So for the age group, let's talk specifically about that. So the middle, you're saying middle school grades?
1: Yeah, I was talking with a, uh, another writer who, uh, at a writer expo, and, um, it was Sandra uh, Phillipson who writes the uh, uh, Max and Annie children's book series. And we were talking, and she read one of my books while we were waiting for oh, different uh, events to happen. And I asked her, how do you like it? She says, they're really good books. But said, in our world of children's writing, children are six and under. It says, really, your language and where you're at is like middle grade, which is six to 16, Oh, is okay. kind of that stretch. So I've kind of reprogrammed my discussions. All right, I'm really targeting the middle graders a little bit more than the children.
0: Okay. Well, let's get to know, because when I, when I target this as well, I will definitely, well, obviously not only in this interview, but also um, when I send it out to my social media as well, I'll definitely let them know that middle school. It's
1: an interesting, the, the, the children-grandparent relationship, when they're too little to really understand, they still ask questions. I go to a fishing lodge up in uh, Manitoba that's outside of Winnipeg that you have to fly into. And the lodge owner has a couple of younger children, three and five. And I gave him a couple of books up there just because I know the guy.
0: Sure.
1: And the next the next year I went back up and he's, I asked, you know, the kids how they liked it. And he said, the kids loved him. He said the best part was as, as mom was reading them to her, to the, boy and a girl, that they would stop her and ask questions. Oh, that's to, wonderful. They wanted to know more things. So then I, when I had that discussion, I knew I was hitting on a point that I wanted to take and try and get across. I wanted yeah. to get that dialogue going.
0: And, and you did a phenomenal job. You know, like I said, when I was reading this, I could really see how this is would be a great interaction between the reader and, you know, if, if, if a parent's reading to the child, yeah, I could definitely see how that would be really be a good talking points for them.
1: I, I hope so, but I'm not as you know, from profession, I didn't start out as a writer. It's something that I kind of just felt I needed to do. And it's not necessarily something that I was looking at to become popular or famous or whatever, but I had a real strong and still a real strong desire to pass on what I have learned. And this is my format that I can do that.
0: That's wonderful. And I think it goes back to the law of attraction as well. When you what we said earlier whatever man thinks so shall he be and that's exactly what you're doing you're you're instilling this these lessons into the into your children and you're doing that to, for for that purpose and then whatever comes out of that is the almost like the reward for you these are my words reward for you um based off of the great deeds that you're doing to help help children understand who they are and the potential that they have <sighs>
1: Well, I met a, uh, a fellow writer in the Cleveland area who, you, at, in the 80s, was a Emmy Award-winning sitcom writer out in uh, Hollywood, mm-hmm. and we were discussing. She looked at my stuff, and, and she went by the books, and she asked me, what's the tagline for your books? And, of course, I had that deer-in-the-headlight look of, like, <laughs> what's a tagline mean? And she said, well, in 30 seconds or so, what can you come up with that tell someone what your books are? And I, I love a challenge, so I said, all right, I'll come up with something. So I thought about it for a while and I came down with the line say, I write stories to sow the seeds of success.
0: Oh, that's good.
1: And that's what I try to do. I want to plant something in the mind of someone that they will possibly key on later on in life that brings back a memory or feeling or leads them in a direction that helps them. And that's the best I can do.
0: And I think you've done an absolutely wonderful job with that. Unfortunately, our time right now is up. But, Jim, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on my show today. I'm so excited to hear how these books are going to help change the lives of the readers who read them. I think there's so many wonderful takeaways in these books.
1: Uh, thanks, James. I appreciate the uh, the time and your interest and the fact that you uh, personally like the copies that I sent you. Yes, uh, that's uh, a very nice thing to have happen, and uh, this is uh, a good uh, a good relationship and a good collaboration, and uh, I hope it all works well for both of us.
0: Oh, I'm sure it will. So if my listeners would like to find out more information about you and also uh, the, the series, Ian and the Great Silver Dragon, where would they find more of this information online?
1: Well, I have a website set up with a page that, that people or purchasers can actually go to to purchase books at uh, www. GreatSilverDragon.com, pretty simple name, pretty simple uh, website where they can uh, review some uh, articles about the books, some recommendations from other authors who have read the books, get some bios on me, uh, see a couple of really neat little pictures and hopefully decide that they would like to uh, purchase some books and they come from me. So if they contact me, I can personalize any book that I send out.
0: Oh, that's great. So what I'm going to do also is I'm going to put these books on my storefront, jamesmillerlifeology.com. And if anyone is looking to purchase them and you, and you don't remember the name of the, the website, just simply go to my website. Once again, jamesmillerlifeology.com. In my storefront, you will see these books and it will link you directly to Jim's site and you can purchase them there and you can have him autograph them for you as well. Wonderful. Well, Jim, thank you once again for being a guest on my show. I truly enjoyed having this conversation with you and I hope to keep in touch with you. Uh, absolutely. This was a lot of fun. I also want to thank you, my listener, for joining with me today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with me. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for my newsletter, enroll in the Lifeology Academy, watch my YouTube episodes, and read all the articles I've written just for you. If you'd like to become a guest or advertise on my show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. You may also follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Have a fantastic day, and I look forward to speaking with you very soon.